From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Monday, October 18th. The Ute Mountain Ute tribe in White Mesa has battled a uranium mill for years. Now that mill might have new business. KZMU's Justin Higginbottom traveled to White Mesa for their annual spiritual walk and to hear locals' concerns. Around two dozen people are standing outside of the White Mesa Community Center. Some are holding signs that say things like, no uranium and water is life. A southern wind is blowing. It's a breeze that makes Eve from Dutchy uneasy. Well, when I was growing up, you know, I'd always catch the bus, walk down the road, and you could smell that, that uranium, you know. You could have that funny smell early in the morning. You, you don't smell like the sagebrush or sage, you know. The only thing you smell when you come out early in the morning is that, that particular smell. And when you're on the bus, you know, you're looking out the window, the only thing you see is the mill going, going to school. The White Mesa Mill is about three miles down the road. It's the last uranium mill in the country. And members of the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe, who call this area home, are preparing for their annual spiritual walk of protest. Regina Lopez White Skunk is one of those walking today down Highway 191. I was a former council member from 2013 to 2016 for the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe. Her son is raising six of her grandchildren within White Mesa, and she's worried about their water. Whenever we get a chance, we bring in bottled water to them, and we have for years. It's very common for a lot of the, the residents of White Mesa. Water is so precious. There is a water line, but it falls short of the White Mesa community for about a mile. Scott Clow is the Environmental Programs Director for the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe. As he walks along the road, he explains there's a shallow aquifer under us, about 100 feet down. The groundwater seeps up through various springs on the mesa. We're concerned that the mill activities could one day pollute those springs. And the groundwater data that they're required to collect as part of their self-monitoring program to comply with their state groundwater uh, permit causes us great concern. There's increasing concentrations of contaminants. Contaminants like nitrates that can cause birth defects. Although he says so far the plumes are all within the mill's property, and the aquifer used for drinking water is much deeper. But there's other concerns. Possible cancer-causing radon emissions from a containment pond, trucks transporting radioactive material through communities. The marchers want the mill closed, but Energy Fuels Resources, the Canadian company that owns the mill, has plans for new business. And we're now in the process of adding on the ability to process rare earths. That's Mark Chalmers, the CEO of Energy Fuels. He's speaking to me from London, where he's attending a Rare Earths conference. The mill already moved away from processing uranium ore to processing radioactive waste that contains uranium. Recently, the mill was granted a permit to import some of this waste from Europe. Now the mill is expanding their business to process rare earths that contain uranium. I mean, I'm talking the world of rare earths are excited about the positive steps that White Mesa is taking to reduce carbon emissions and assist with electrification to provide rare earth elements used in electric vehicles and wind generators and other high-tech appliances like your cell phone and your computer. Chalmers knows the concerns over pollution. If the state of Utah thought we are contaminating the groundwater, do you think they'd let us operate? Do you think they would do that or they could? They wouldn't. But he says White Mesa residents aren't at risk. I respect the fact 
when people are afraid of something, I really do. I'm not trying to downplay it. You know, I want to do everything possible to alleviate those concerns. So people have a right to be concerned. And so he thinks the mill can even have a positive impact in the region. So I just want people to understand it's not business as usual. We've got new opportunities they are exciting. And we plan to share that with the region and particularly helping out the Native Americans and try to reduce unemployment by training people and hiring them at the mill. And I think it's a very bright future for the region. The march ends near the gates to the White Mesa Mill. From the road, you can see two smokestacks. Not far in the distance is Bears Ears National Monument, whose borders were expanded on October 8th by President Biden. And this is a really excellent time in our history because if President Biden, if you throw us a bone and redesignate the boundaries and protection for this, well, guess what? We have a threat here very close in the same neighborhood. These White Mesa community members took Bears Ears as a win, and they're hoping for another. Energy Fuels, meanwhile, is also looking forward to the future. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News. Water experts from across the West testified in front of Congress on Friday. As KUNC's Alex Hager reports, policymakers from the federal government, seven states, and two tribes spoke about drought. One congressman described the dire water supply issues as, quote, one of the most pressing challenges we face in the 21st century. State water leaders urged collaboration between the basin's users. John Ensminger runs the Southern Nevada Water Authority. Do we double down on the promises of the last century and fight about water that simply isn't there? Or do we roll up our sleeves and deal with the climate realities of this century? Many said the river was overallocated and will not be able to support those who rely on it, including 40 million people and more than a trillion dollars of economic activity. Tribal leaders pushed the federal government to formalize a way for tribes to participate in water negotiations, citing their historical exclusion. Alex Hager, KUNC. The House Committee on Natural Resources will hear further testimony on Wednesday about the severity and solutions around drought in the Colorado River Basin. Few people spend as much time in the wilderness as hunters and anglers, and a new report aims to be a springboard to bring their conservation knowledge into discussions about fighting climate change. Mark Richardson with the Public News Service has more. The report, A Hunter's and Angler's Guide to Climate Change, touches on landscapes in Utah and throughout the country used by sportsmen and women that face environmental threats from the warming climate. Chief among them are Utah's forests and rivers. Report author Aaron Kindle with the National Wildlife Federation says heat waves, droughts, and forest fires are hurting outdoor recreation in the state. If your elk hunt is canceled because the unit that you are going to hunt in is burning down, that's clearly an impact on the ability to hunt. So those are the kind of things we're seeing that are really meaning our ability to hunt and fish is under threat. Wildfires have destroyed more than 600,000 acres of Utah forest land so far in 2021. Wetlands, forests, and floodplains in particular can prevent flooding and help purify water, but when those areas are destroyed, the protections are lost. Kindle says some immediate actions for hunters and anglers include taking part in reforestation efforts, but a big part of finding environmental solutions is to advocate for resources on the state and federal levels. We are a community of storytellers. We talk about the hunt, we talk about fishing, we talk about the seasons and how they've changed, and hunters and anglers have such a crucial narrative that would help shape those pieces of legislation into a better form. 
While it's important for state and national policymakers to have scientific facts to understand climate change, Michael Cravens with the National Wildlife Federation's Arizona chapter says hearing from people who are directly affected can be very persuasive. Communicate, folks. Tell your stories. Tell decision makers what you're seeing in the field, those firsthand experiences. Make this real to folks. It's not all science and data. Sometimes it's anecdotal. It's life experience. So, so tell those stories. The federal support mentioned in the report includes the Replant Act, which would quadruple investments in reforestation in national forests. It also suggests relaunching the Civilian Conservation Corps, a 1930s public works program, but with a focus on addressing climate change. This report comes from our partners at the Public News Service. And that's the KZMU News for Monday, October 18th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.